Welcome to the Building the Elite Podcast, where we discuss the physical, mental, and emotional aspects of human performance within military special operations by looking at the principles that can help anyone thrive in chaotic and challenging environments. When I went through the Naval Special Warfare Pipeline to become a SWIC, there was a prep program where students often spent time between their A schools and their selection courses for BUDS, SWIC, EOD, or Navy Diver. It was called Scruff Duty, short for Screen Candidates Reported and Undergoing Physical Training. It wasn't a very good acronym. By now, this process has changed a bit, it's more streamlined, and there's a more structured prep course in Coronado, but the spirit is still pretty similar. I spent six months in Scruffland. It was basically a long series of workouts. We got up at 3 o'clock in the morning, did the PT or physical training workout for A-school students going into special programs, then ate breakfast and did the special programs workout for people in boot camp, and after that we administered the screening test for new candidates and did the paperwork for the ones who passed. Later that morning there'd be another workout slash beatdown, especially for us, and then we ran in circles for the rest of the day, being hazed or tortured or indoctrinated by the special programs instructors. The purpose behind this varied from preparatory training to the personal amusement of the instructors. As scruffs, our relationship with the instructors, despite their daily attempts to crush our souls for a good laugh, was mutual respect. They knew that we were in the same position they had once been in, would be going through the same arduous process that they once had, and that someday a handful of us would be wearing the same pins and doing the same job as equals. Likewise, we knew that the instructors had been through the same beatdowns they were now putting us through. It was a matter of honor. They wouldn't do us the disservice of treating us mildly and allowing us to go into training unprepared. We wouldn't disrespect them by complaining about this process or taking it personally. Those who failed to understand this arrangement seldom stayed. I was a 19-year-old scruff when one of the main instructors, a SEAL nicknamed El Guapo, retired. All the scruffs were invited to his small personal retirement ceremony. Guapo had been the lead instructor for most of our morning workouts at 3 a.m. He could terrorize hundreds of students at once, and we had all had our commitment tested by his face-to-face -face tirades that followed any misstep or sign of weakness. He was also a valued mentor and patiently guided most of us through finding our way into special programs. At his retirement, after a few speakers stepped aside, El Guapo took the podium and gave a short speech. He spoke to his family and fellow instructors, and then turned to the scruffs and addressed us. He cleared his throat and paused. I could see the muscles in his jaw clench. All of you, you will have your Waterloo. Each and every one of you, it doesn't matter how good you are. He stopped again, and the jaw muscles flexed, relaxed, and flexed. His eyes welled with tears. He continued, Something is out there waiting for you, and it will completely destroy you. The time will come when you don't think you can possibly go on. Please, please don't quit. It will end, and you can make it to the other side. Just don't quit. Those words stuck with me for years. In a way, they were sort of a North Star, around which I organized my mental focus and my training. I knew that no matter how fit I got, how fast I could run, or how many pull-ups I could do, I would face this moment with nothing left. The instructors in Scruffland had no problem breaking me physically, at least in the water. 
Most days, if I was in the pool, I was on the brink of consciousness. After the first workout on pool days, I usually couldn't walk up more than one flight of stairs at a time. It was a much more level playing field out of the water, but they could always call for another round of sprints or start our push-ups over at zero as many times as they needed. The goalposts moved as often as they had to. All this time, I kept Guapo's advice in mind. I knew that what I was practicing in these workouts didn't have that much to do with burpees and flutter kicks. The training environment was designed to expose me, in a relatively controlled, moderated setting, to those moments of feeling like I had nothing left, so that I could learn to keep going anyway. This had to be practiced in an increasingly realistic environment, like any other skill. The words alone were useless. Knowing the words to describe something isn't the same as being able to do it. We can only consistently do something if we've practiced it long enough to make it part of who we are. For me, this meant hundreds of days of hitting bottom and working to keep my mind in the driver's seat no matter how wrecked my body was. I did this knowing it would get me to a moment when it would feel like it hadn't been enough anyway, knowing that somewhere in training I would hit bottom. As Guapo said, I would have my Waterloo. And I did. My day came. Possibly more than once. And I kept going. This brings up a few important concepts related to this kind of advice. Describing an outcome like just don't quit or stay hard is not helpful if we can't also describe the process that leads to that outcome. Everyone who starts a soft selection pipeline wants to just not quit, be tough, or whatever cliche that can be written on a 3x5 note card with a crayon. But unless we know and follow the process that leads to that outcome, the advice is no more helpful than a track coach yelling at his athletes to run faster. Everybody knows that running faster or just not quitting is the goal. It's the how part that's hard to figure out. So there are two pieces here, the outcome and the process. We can't reach the outcome if we don't have the process. And the process won't be effective if we aren't clear on the outcome that we're after. At his retirement ceremony, when Guapo gave us this advice, he was describing the outcome. It was useful because we were already immersed in the process, and it helped us to understand the purpose of our training better. Every day, we were in a practice environment guided by the mental models that we learned from the instructors or picked up ourselves along the way, which helped us to develop the underlying skills needed to keep going through adversity. His words helped to make clear what we were training for. He wanted us to understand that we couldn't train ourselves clear of pain. No matter how good we were, these moments were still waiting for us, and no amount of physical fitness could help us if we weren't mentally prepared for them. This is a crucial distinction, and it clarifies how we must prepare for soft selection or any difficult endeavor. It's easy to trick yourself into thinking that you can outsmart selection if you just train hard enough. Many people, great athletes in particular, go into selection believing that they will be spared, that if they just work hard enough, hit all the timelines, crush the PT standards, and have the cleanest room and prettiest uniform on inspection day, that it will be enough to save them from the worst of it. But it's never enough. 
The machine is egalitarian. It is designed to break everyone. This was Guapo's point. It doesn't matter how good you are. You must know and expect that you will, at some point, hit rock bottom. You must train for this and plan to move forward through that moment. The skills you have at that moment will be those you practiced in the years leading up to it. Don't be so arrogant to think that you can prepare well enough to avoid this reckoning, or it will catch you unprepared, and you will become another statistic. As Guapo told us that day, and as just about every special operator will echo, the only thing that ultimately separates the people who make it through from those who don't are those three words. Just don't quit. Developing the ability to do that, the skill of just not quitting, is a knowable, trainable, sequential process. It doesn't just happen, and it's not something you're born with. You know it's something you've practiced doing, just like squatting a barbell or cooking an omelet. If you want to learn more about the components of that process, check out our book, free resources on our site, in particular, everything under the mental skills section of our articles, or check out our training app, where alongside your workouts, you'll have a daily mental skill practice that builds over time. In that training app, we have options for people from many different backgrounds, not just soft selection, ranging from law enforcement and firefighters to civilians. 